The BC government announced plans last week to confiscate suspected proceeds of crime with so-called unexplained wealth orders as a way to deter crime and money laundering in particular. Now, the orders would allow, under some circumstances, authorities to seize houses and luxury cars if their owners cannot explain where the money to pay for them came from. Again, the goal with the orders is to help deter financial crime, including particularly in BC money laundering. Uh, You can perhaps remember that earlier this year, the Cullen Commission into Money Laundering in BC released a very big report. There were 101 recommendations in it. One of them pertained to unexplained wealth orders. Here's BC's new premier, David Eby, explaining the measure. For many British Columbians, it's very frustrating to hear police say, this individual is known to police. Uh, We have reason to believe this individual is involved in organized crime. They're driving around luxury SUVs with secret compartments uh, where they hide weapons. They live in fancy homes. They have fancy jewelry and luxury goods with no apparent source of income. And when we look at that situation, coupled with the report, the uh, public inquiry into money laundering that says that we have a multi-billion dollar problem with money laundering in our province, uh, action needs to be taken. I was curious about how exactly these would work, because presumably if you haven't been found guilty of any crime, if it's not a tax issue, how do you take something away from somebody under those circumstances? No doubt the people with said possessions would fight back, I would imagine. Uh, Some civil liberties advocates say the orders go too far, calling them an invasive measure that erodes the presumption of innocence and raises profound civil liberties implications. It's no small irony that David Eby, the premier now in BC, was once the head of the BC Civil Liberties Association. Well, joining me now to explain more about how they work, how effective they are, what they are and what they're not is Jeffrey Simpson. He's a lawyer and a former legal director with the Attorney General in Ontario. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. So I imagine this has been something that's been talked about in different provinces, certainly out in BC uh, when we had the Cullen Commission into money laundering. This was one of the recommendations that emerged from it. But tell me a bit about, about, uh, about exactly what BC is proposing to do here and how it works. The Cullen Commission had 101 recommendations, and this is number 101, and it's the last one. I don't think it's the least important by any measure. And the idea of this is it would provide the civil forfeiture office, which is already in place and and administering a law in British Columbia, it would basically provide them with an information tool, an ability to get information from someone what they just don't quite know enough about. That's the essence of what an unexplained wealth order is. So it's not about forfeiture and seizure. It's really about trying to figure out more about where the wealth is coming from. It is about forfeiture only in the sense that there is a civil forfeiture statute in in BC and it allows there's a director and they can go to court and they can ask the court to forfeit proceeds of unlawful activity and instruments. What a UWO would do for, for that office is it would, before they launch a proceeding, it would allow them to go to someone and say, hey, how did you get this particular piece of property? So for example, in before the Cullen Commission, there was some testimony about how this might be used. And the way it was uh, anticipated, let's say uh, an outlaw motorcycle gang member dies. If they're dead, there's never going to be a criminal investigation. You don't charge someone who's passed away. But if they had a huge amount of assets and say they were known in the criminal world, this would be a tool to go and ask the estate, how did they acquire those assets and are they tainted by unlawful activity? What gap does it propose to fill? 
So there, there's there's information gaps right now in the system, and and some of them that this this could fill really are resource based, and that's what Colin found. Colin found that there's a, a an absolute boatload of money laundering going on right now in British Columbia, particularly in the Lower Mainland. And he said, you know, the the RCMP has been inattentive to the issue for a long time, over a decade, and that's allowed that to go unchecked. For civil forfeiture to ever happen, the director has to have a case before him. They they don't particularly investigate cases. They they take cases as they are from, from the police. What this will do is it will give them one more tool to get information. It actually came, the one that Collins recommended came out of the UK. Right. And at the UK had been urged by Transparency International UK to do this to deal with oligarchs, which is kind of interesting. There were is, yeah. a lot of there's a lot of oligarch money floating around London. Some call it, you know, uh, London grad is the joke in London. And so the idea of this was that they could go to the oligarch who has this Mayfair mansion and ask him, how did you how did you fund that? How did you get that? Although it didn't work out very well in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I, I actually, having spent time in London, we did those stories about uh, about huge, um, you know, these these incredible luxury towers in Mayfair, and all of it being bought up by uh, by money from from different parts of it. well, Russia mostly, Ukraine as well at the time. So, what are some of the complications here? About, I mean, one of the ironies, of course, is that the BC Civil Liberties uh, Association, of which the new premier was once the head, has come out and opposed these sorts of ma- these sorts of measures. In fairness, they they made those submissions to the Cullen Commission as well. I think what gets missed a little bit, two things get missed. This order process won't forfeit an asset. It won't. It, right. All it will do, and what Cullen said about it is he said, look, an owner of something is in the best position to explain how they got it. And if they bought it legitimately, it should take them two minutes to get to the answer. This is how I bought it. This is where the money came from and so on what is is a little bit lost in 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 the civil liberties argument a little bit is that there are already a number of safeguards in the statute and we don't know exactly how bc plans to implement this process but one would expect similar safeguards to be there so it's an order of the court the onus of proof is on the province to prove that they need to be there and there's there's safeguards like clearly not in the interest of justice so a court can say even if they meet all the conditions of the if the province does it can still refuse to to issue an order uh, simply because it would be manifestly unfair or grossly unjust so there are safeguards that will go around i suspect when this is actually implemented in the spring by bc so this whole notion that it shifts the burden of proof is actually not uh, necessarily the the case no. So the, the, the director is going to have to have for the court at least a reasonable suspicion that this property has something in a lawful activity. They're going to have to convince the court of that. And then then there is a bit of a shift only in the sense that if you own that property, you're asked by the court to come forward and explain that ownership structure, trusts, and so on and so forth. And if you don't, if you say, no, I'm just not going to comply with that order, the only consequence is that there's a, a, a presumption that's raised and that's rebuttable. So, so what will happen is if the director decides to go after that property with a civil forfeiture proceeding, then he can ask the court to take, well, we presume it's a proceed. But the other side, even in that stage, when you're going towards forfeiture, can disrupt that and say, no, no, it's not that way and prove to the contrary to get the case dismissed. 
Right. So there are there are several hurdles here of which have to be have to be overcome before anything any any uh, and as you mentioned even then there's no seizure because there does exist within if there are charges laid for instance proceeds of crime could be seized and I think sometimes that's where terms like unexplained wealth order could be a bit confusing to the layperson right. Yeah, and it's confusing if you look even internationally. There's over a hundred different jurisdictions with unexplained wealth provisions. I hadn't realized that until that's we started a lot. Looking. It's wow. huge. And and I'll tell you where it's really a big issue is is anti-corruption advocates think this is really important. Transparency International Canada, there's the Vancouver Anti-Corruption Institute that I've worked with. They think this is really, really important. And if you think about it, if someone's stolen money from Treasury somewhere and they've brought it to Vancouver, it could be very hard for the director of civil forfeiture to prove because they need to get evidence from the country that the corrupt person is in and probably right. and may well control. And so that's where this becomes a tool from uh, from that perspective, from an anti-corruption or a kleptocracy perspective. Right, because no crime would have been committed here necessarily. And, and working with another country where the money may or may or may, or may not have been obtained uh, through corruption or illegally is difficult to do. We know that. Yeah, because because the kleptocrat knows that they has that he has to capture his own apparatus to prevent us from proving anything uh, on this side of the ocean, depending where the corruption is. Jeffrey Simpson is with us. He's a lawyer and former legal director with the Attorney General in Ontario. We're talking about new rules that uh, BC is about to bring in in the spring uh, to contend with, uh, at least it, it meets one of the recommendations in the Money Laundering Commission, the Cullen Commission a report, uh, recommendation number 101, by no means the least important, just down there at 101 for um, something called unexplained wealth orders. And we've been discussing exactly what that means. Um, I, I guess in some ways, this is about establishing that there is more accountability in Canada around provenance, where money comes from, where it goes, and so forth, trying to get a better handle on it. Because I think what the Cullen Commission pointed out so effectively was we really had no idea. Yeah, I mean, there, there's millions and millions of dollars that have been washing around Vancouver for some time. And and that money's embedded. I mean, that's one of the, one of the things that I think this is meant to, to address is, you know, someone may have brought money in eight years ago, and then they flipped a condo and they bought a house and they've switched that over to a mansion and so on and so forth. So there's all kinds of layers to how they've structured their affairs. And for law enforcement, um, whether it's civil or criminal, doesn't really matter. That's a really hard thing to unpack and get it, especially if it's historical and it's been around for a long time. And this is one of the tools that they can use to get there. I suppose what we're trying to do is make a BC, but but and this would have to be, I'll ask you about the jurisdictional aspects here, but this is to make BC a less attractive place to wash your money. Yeah, I mean, Colin said, you know, organized crime groups are very sophisticated in how they operate and they do look for lower risk jurisdictions. And just so you know, Manitoba already has an unexplained wealth provision. They call it a preliminary disclosure order, but it's not quite what Colin recommended, but it's similar. So if BC brings this in, then there'll be two jurisdictions uh, and it may draw, you know, dirty money into other other provinces, which isn't good for those provinces, but is probably good for BC. That was my question. Uh, if if BC passes one, you Manitoba already has one. Does that just drive that money into other provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, Ontario, so forth? 
Yeah. So right now there's nine jurisdictions in Canada that have a civil forfeiture law. It, it runs from BC right through to Quebec, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Nunavut in the north. But PEI, Newfoundland, and the other two territories in the north don't have a law. Cullen, I think, said that fairly clearly, that this will create a lower risk for other provinces like Ontario, like Quebec. And then the other thing is the federal government has passed in, earlier this year amendments to the Special Economic Measures Act that deal with oligarchs assets. And they've done a great job. I think they've frozen about $120 million in assets. They're going to have a very difficult time actually getting to court and forfeiting and taking those assets away. The system's really great. It's designed that it can, the money can go to the Ukraine uh, to help that country rebuild itself. But I think they're going to have some trouble in the, in the courts. And this might actually be a tool that they want to consider as well. Yeah, we had Bill Browder on the show actually this week, who's talking about to the Magnitsky Act and some of those issues for which he's been advocating for so long. Would this, would, does this particular BC um, proposal, would it survive? Is, is it constitutional and would it survive a challenge if one were to come up as it's, as you understand it now? Yeah. So the, one of the interesting things that Mr. Justice Cullen did was he hired uh, Thomas Cromwell, a former Supreme Court of Canada judge, to render, I think, about a 50 or 60 page legal opinion. It's very interesting as a lawyer. I, I kind of geeky about it, I guess, but it's very interesting. It's to interesting to foresee these things, though, right? I mean, if you're going to make absolutely. recommendations, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, Cullen was a very good judge. He was a prosecutor in a past life, and and he did clearly did anticipate those questions. And I think where, where Cromwell's opinion lands is as long as it's carefully constructed with safeguards, it will survive constitutional uh, scrutiny by the courts. I think uh, E.B. has said he expects this to be challenged in the court. I think he's right about that. But Cromwell says if you do this properly, and again, we don't know yet what the details are for B.C., this will survive constitutional uh, scrutiny. Well, Jeffrey Simpson, thank you so much for your uh, insight on this. Much appreciated. Happy to speak with you.